Performing a C-section is not a modern invention. Already by 1879, Robert Falcon described how a tribe in the Bonoiro Kingdom in present-day Western Uganda performed C-section with routine and a remarkable recovery rate. Welcome to the absolutely normal... Ah, the red dot. And hi, Ellen. Never mind. Hey. Never mind me. <laughs> Here we go. I tried to do it cool, but I'm not allowed to. Hi, Ellen. How, how it are wasn't you doing? me, yeah? I'm very proud I'm of good. you for not interrupting. That's, I'm uh, glad of that. But then there's Jan here. And, oh. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm a good, <laughs> I must, I must to be like. Yeah. And we do appreciate you wearing red to be our... I, I had to red. represent our man who couldn't join. Yeah. He, yeah. Red, red is sadly sick this week. I mean, his mind has been foggy for a long while, but now he's actually too too ill <laughs> or something. You're no, just he needs saying that break. because you're doing the edit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck are you doing, Ellen? You've got a new background. I have a new background. Well, same poster in the background, but yes. a new wall that it's on. Uh, yes, I moved both houses and countries about two weeks ago. So I'm still surrounded by boxes. I oh. am buried in a mountain of paperwork because moving countries is not fun in terms of administration. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I've also always heard that the Netherlands is very easy when it comes to paperwork. It's minimal at best, right? It's not as easy as Denmark, but not as bad as Germany. Okay, okay. So it's a nice, it feels good coming from, well, I also have to do the German paperwork to get everything finished oh, there. Yeah. Before yeah. That's yeah, which is probably more than they're actually getting into the next country. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I, I get both of those joys, but no, the, the Netherlands is, is fairly easy and most things are digital, so that helps. But that, that's just a lot of it. I have you, what, can you explain that for the German listeners, please? <laughs> we have a digital login, Jan, that works for all government services. One login account. Oh, and then you have to print that out, sign it, scan it in. No, and... <laughs> no, oh, okay. no. You don't have yeah, to sorry, wait to get me. a letter and then another letter and then the login also via mail. No. Oh, wow. No, yeah. there's an app for that. Wow. <laughs> yes. Welcome um, to the future, Jan. This yeah, is how no, it looks no, like. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I envy Ellen. Yes. I am happy to leave that part of Germany behind me. Yes, but there, there's a lot of it. For example, I'm not allowed to drive my car right now until I get a Dutch license plate. Oh, so that's okay. a fun little thing to deal with. I had to officially import my dog, all the insurances, etc. So there's there's big spreadsheets involved, plus the actual unpacking and mm -hmm. like settling in a new space. So there's a lot going on. But I am very happy with my new place. I'm very excited to be here. But yeah, slightly slightly overwhelmed with everything I need to do. But but it's on to a good start, right? It it feels good to be there. It feels good to be here, and it's worth it. So then mm -hmm. it's just a matter of getting all the stuff done. That's good. And I can tell from firsthand, like, the Netherlands are beautiful. Well, you are currently, I think, in the Netherlands. Yes, it's, and I'm probably going to butcher the name, S. Hertogenbosch. Sertogenbosch. Ah, okay. Yeah, I said I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> but usually don't bother with it. They just say Denbos. Denbos. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can work with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Ellen already knows about this. I'm on an exhibition. Right now, well, today was actually the last day of it. And originally, I was planning on meeting up with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that went a little bit as a drama. No, long story short, the setup was on Tuesday for the uh, exhibition. And we wanted to meet on Wednesday. And unfortunately, on the first day of the show, like in the morning, my coworker tested positive for COVID. 
Mm. Yes, exactly. And because of the close vicinity, like I just didn't want to take any risks and danger early in getting sick. So this was the main reason why we canceled. And then there's that actually funny situation or not, not really funny, but a strange situation where it's like, I don't want to endanger my friends on the other side. It's like, just from a working perspective, as long as I'm not testing positive and I don't have symptoms, I'm asked to work. So I'm in an exhibition with like thousands of people walking through. <laughs> but then on the other side, it's like I didn't have any contacts in, within the last couple of weeks with my boss. So if anything happens, it will happen probably within in the next, like I, I, yeah, I, I know in a week basically, yeah. but not a good feeling at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Another fun side effect is if you're doing a booth that's or an exhibition, which actually requires two people by yourself for the first day, that wasn't fun because you uh, can't leave the equipment alone because you get like thousands of euros of measurement equipment. And with thousands, I mean, like we could move into like six, seven figures because they're not necessarily mock-ups like the real thing to demonstrate to the customer. Oh, it, it's fully functional. Uh, Part of it is fully functional. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't leave the booth the first day, not to go to the restroom, not to get something to drink, like nothing. I spent the full day at the oh, booth. Fucking hell. Yes, yeah. and it's a it's a strange feeling that you want to pee your pants and you're thirsty at the same time at the end of the evening. That's a new I, one. I that think does I, not sound fun. No, I, I think I don't think I ever closed up shop so fast afterwards. Like packaged everything and locked it away and just ran for the restroom <laughs> yeah Ugh. no but, but in, that in was cases like that though are, are there like no staff or anything that you can ask just to be there 10 minutes while you run off to the loo not not really like i could have asked like it was only bad like the last half hour okay to be okay. honest at the show and the rest was more about i i had enough anger because of the situation, <laughs> everything that happened, yeah. and I had to cancel on Alan, and this was something I was really looking forward to. Mm. And yeah, that, that was just, yeah, I was pissed. <laughs> Understandable. Most of the day, and when the anger left, then it was like, oh yeah, you didn't eat the whole day. Oh yeah, you didn't drink the whole day. And oh, damn, I have to go to the restroom. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. What was actually really nice and great for my company is, is well, we have a lot of people on sick leave at the moment, because it's just not, not COVID, but just that the cold that's going around. But my actual director that we have, he, as soon as he heard that my boss was sick, he got into the car and drove up yesterday all the way to the exhibition. Basically stayed at the hotel close by and this morning he came and supported me for the whole day. That's good. Which that's, yeah, that's what I call leadership. Like he was, yeah. that, that was so ace of him because he has a shit ton of other work at the moment that I know of. And he just dropped everything to come up and support me on the trade show. So oh, that was really nice. Yeah, that's that's a good guy to have. Yeah, that that was a really nice. So today was actually really mm -hmm. enjoyable. Also, good conversations and everything was going well. It was just the initial thing yesterday. Plus, the hotel I'm in kind of sucks. <laughs> that's the next thing, but I'll oh. I'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, so it's like who needs home? who needs hot showers anyway? Oh. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Tomorrow days just for driving back because it's with the electric car and with the charging i have to do along the way it's probably going to be more like a seven hour journey oh. yeah. that's not terrible but no on, on tuesday i started driving at seven o'clock and i arrived here at three o'clock in the afternoon hmm. yeah that's all right yeah i mean this the charging is really not bad because it's like just half hour breaks that i should take anyway so yeah yeah i mean that's that's kind of the thing i've noticed as well when it not that i've 
driven electric myself and being with people and going road tripping with it it's like it's actually really nice to have that scheduled break in and sort of yeah. you arrive and it's like yeah it's a bit later but <clears throat> i feel more relaxed for it mm. and you less can't hungry through because you have to stop yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah when by week are you ask yes thank you that was kind of what i was leading to because <laughs> <laughs> before you took the reference to the electric cars <laughs> yeah i i have just been spending the week now working up on getting stock ready for the market but also getting more or less distracted by having a power hammer yeah. so yeah i've been i i've been running it a lot today and it got toasty the power hammer got really toasty in a cold workshop because not not not, not because i've been using it super hard but it it stays on for a couple of hours or many hours at a time and it's just it just heat cycles mm -hmm. so that's I, I i'm not entirely sure how hot it's supposed to get or how much i should be cautious of turning it off in between heats and all of that but like as soon as i because electricity bills and all of that you need to pay them and power hammer draws power i've been good about trying to turn it off when i'm changing processes so not like it's not running for like 15 minutes while i'm taking care of other shit mm -hmm. but also it's like oh I, it needs to be running because i need to continually continuously adjust like how the threadle on is is moving and the linkages of it and like getting it balanced so that it's comfortable to use with the height and i get enough travel so i get enough force out of it and all of those things that I don't really know anything about. I'm just going by feel. Oh, okay. Did you do the proper startup? And with that means, did you give it a name and attach googly eyes? No, no, I forgot. Mm. I forgot googly eyes. See, there's your problem. <laughs> yeah. But it has a name? Not, not properly yet. And, and it needs googly eyes first, and then the pro then the personality will come forth, and I'll, okay. I'll find a name. Okay. Well, maybe um, we should do another name the thing round, like we named the car <laughs> and things. So, my little friend or something. Yeah, well, well, we'll see about that. If people at home have suggestions, send them to the two-thirds focused Instagram account and we'll do a tally in a week or two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you almost got electrocuted. You could call it Mjolnir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not a bad something. name for a power hammer, yeah. Yeah. So how does it work? Does the engine keep spinning even if you don't have the thing pushed down so that it does the hammering? Yeah, so the very basic way I understand an air hammer to work is that you have a motor driving a flywheel that is driving a compressor that's sending mm -hmm. air up. Then you have a pedal that is linked to two sets of valves. And as you press that pedal down, the valves in open in different timings to each other. And mm -hmm. that changes whether air is pushing from the bottom and moving the head up or from the top moving the head down. But in that case, it's not an hydraulic, it's a pneumatic hammer. It's a pneumatic hammer, yes, indeed. Okay. Because I was thinking about a hydraulic other one, and I was just like, no, that would, hydraulic that shouldn't would be get that warm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, honestly, I don't know how hot I should expect it to be, and because the, the, the heat is friction somewhere. And mm -hmm. is that because it needs to be worn mm -hmm. in a bit more, or is it just a fact of this style of hammer, or whatever? I don't know. But, so it's not hot from an engine running, it's hot from the thing moving. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And yeah. I mean, I think it reached 60 degrees on the outside or maybe 80 degrees at one of the valves. And it's like, that That's seems like a lot. That's but then again, hot, yeah. but then again, a car runs at those temperatures. So I don't know. I, I need to talk to a few people and just get a feel for like, is this normal? What should yeah. I look out for? 
but I've been I've been playing and cozying up to it today, just drawing a lot of tapers and making everything from heart hooks and S hooks to making some leaf hooks. And as I'm making the leaf hooks, I kind of think that I'm placing a really hot bit of steel on top of the hammer dies, and I'm standing there with it for five minutes at a time and then walking off. Maybe the hammer dies are getting... Yeah, they're getting hot. Okay. <laughs> Let me get one of my old t-shirts from the scouts, tear that up, soak in water, leave on the hammer dice while I'm changing and like continuously keep trying to keep the hammer dice cool. And so far, I haven't gotten any discoloration that it's actually gotten tempered. I realized that, that, that it might have been close on the first one. But I have a heat treating oven, so worst case, I can <laughs> fix it. I'm just saying, I can fix it. But also, I, I, I had a moment there of going, hmm... This seems, I, I know what happens when hot stuff I put on other hot stuff. But when it's a big animal of 100 something kilos, it takes a while for it to be a problem. Yep. When it's a power hammer dies where one of them weighs maybe four kilos or something, mm. it's like it, it goes a lot quicker. But yeah, yeah. no, I, I've been having fun trying to use the power hammer. It, it's really nice to just have a lot of pieces of steel, just toss them in the forge and then just take one of them out and forge them and then put the next one and draw the next one out continuously and not feel tired by the end of it and mm -hmm. can do that for a, a day just continuously nice but also also a small thing that was really really fun i had a kid in a 10 year old kid in tuesday afternoon for a two-minute blacksmithing session this was the second time he was in he was also in last week and in these total of four hours he did just about what we do with adults in a whole day wow it's, it's always great if you have people the same age in the shop oh shut up <laughs> i'm at least twice as big as him at least i think is a really tiny kid but he he went to a summer camp or something where they had a blacksmith forge and he just stayed in the blacksmith forge apparently the entire mm. week of summer camp oh nice yeah so when he got in i knew a bit of that so i knew he had some familiarity with things and also how kids can be like, like an absolute sponge when it comes to things they're interested in mm -hmm. so i blazed through a lot of things for him but long story short it's like i just showed him the thing he did the thing i gave him a few pointers and he just corrected and it was not a problem again i was like this is weird this is unusual People is this also that because a kid that young doesn't have the like learned thing of how you use a hammer and so they're, well, they're not stuck in their ways there's a lot of the, that of he, I don't have to unlearn him things because yeah. he is more of a blank slate. But then that week in the blacksmith shop is like, okay, okay, he might not have done a whole lot, quote unquote, in that week because he might not have had enough experience. Depend, I mean, he's a small for a 10 year old, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So his strength level and all of that might not have been such that he could do a lot. And also, what whoever was teaching him or guiding him or however that went, like he, if he was just fumbling for a week by himself, then yeah, you have now gotten familiar with holding a hammer, standing next to an anvil and having a glowing piece of steel. But actual working with it might not have been easy. So, and that's maybe one of the pointers I have to give him, like, okay, take care of like how you hold the hammer so that it lands flat onto the surface you're forging, not parallel to the surface of the anvil. Stand closer here, try to move your elbow close to the body and all of those things. And as I said that, he did it. 
and it was not an issue again. And it's also kind of amazing to just see someone who just learns it and absorbs it the first time. Yeah. That's really, really fun. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And now I, I'm stressing about getting ready for the market tomorrow. And this one's, I'll, I'll honestly try to actually set up my booze the day beforehand and not the morning off. <laughs> it's going to be very shocking for everyone involved, including me. <laughs> But we'll we'll see. You should still have some leftovers from the last market, though, right? I mean, yeah, I I, I have leftovers of a lot of things, and like the SUs now, mm -hmm. I forged uh, I forged a few today, not only because it was a good thing to practice on the power, and because it's such a simple thing and just drawing out tapers on it, but also, I haven't made a batch of SUs in maybe three years. Mm -hmm. Because I made a lot then, and they don't sell all that quickly. So it's like, yeah, that, this is fine. But also, I had to make a few more roses this week. Because now, suddenly, I got an order for someone who wanted a shorter stem, and I was run out of those. So now I had to make roses again from the hundred something I made back in January, February. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm slowly getting into the system of like making a shit ton when I have the time, and then just being able to live with that for a while. You want you want to go down for another rapid hole for Christmas markets? Do mistletoes. Oh, fuck that! <laughs> I have too much already. I I have another Christmas market in two weeks again that I hopefully need to produce a fair bit of stock for because I will sell out of a fair bit now this weekend. But also, there's a whole other things that with the power hammer I can suddenly make a lot faster and easier. Mm -hmm. And it, but yes. It, it's one of the things of I'll, I'll have to produce out of stock. It's fun to have a power hammer, and it's 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 not too cold yet in the forge, even though we have been going down to negative five, I think, this week in Oslo. During the day or at night? At, uh, during the day. Oh wow! I, I, I really appreciate nice. having a forge. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but that nearly segues into a, a topic, uh, and it has been something on my mind, like on and off, for the last couple of years. But it is, what's the price of your dreams? And mostly in the sense of what are you willing to sacrifice in pursuit of what you dream of, what you really, really want? So tell me what you want. Or Sorry, that doesn't work. No, but how should I phrase this better? Me having to or wanting to make a living of blacksmithing means that I need, I knew early on that it means I had to work a shit ton to get that done or get make that work and doable. And I'm still not in a position where I can consistently work less than 50 hours a week. My average is closer to being 60 hours a week, which is not really sustainable super long term, mm -hmm. but balance out with all the other things that you have to do when you have a normal job and all of that in commuting and things. I have it kind of easy in that sense, choosing my own hours, how, what kind of work I do and all of that. But that has been a conscious thing I have had to give up is 20 hours or something of free time a week so that I can try to make this crazy dream of mine a reality. But that's also the downside of going self-employed, if that's something to say. Mm -hmm. There's always something to give up. And I, I, with you moving now, Ellen, you mentioned this briefly a bit earlier that you're moving country and you're moving closer to, was it your mom? Just uh, friends in general. Yeah, okay, just friends in general. And with that also, well, you're giving up the life you had in Germany and possibly the apartment, the nature and all of the close things you had when you lived 
fairly rural, if I recall correctly. Wonderful security and bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's, there's trade-offs to everything. I guess that's what I'm yeah. saying. And was that a conscious part of your decision when moving? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, there there's a reason that I made this move. I've moved many times in my life to several different countries at this point. Yeah. And move, moving has a big impact on your on your life, especially if you move to a different town or city or even a different country, mm. because you lose everything you know, like your your routines, your like the the shop you always go to, knowing where everything is, just your apartment and the the, the where you live and all the the walking routes that you know and like everything that's familiar. You leave that behind and you have to start from scratch so it's it's a big sacrifice to make and i think a lot of people never move completely to a new city or especially a new country because you do sacrifice a lot when yeah, you especially, do that. especially with a country because especially with a country i mean i don't know how to say that inside of at least the bubble of denmark netherlands and germany there is a lot of similarities in both climate and people, but also there's a lot of big differences that you'd maybe not notice that much yeah. until you have spent some time there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as variance between countries goes, they're very similar, but still the differences are, are very, very big. I mean, just language alone, of course, moving somewhere where you don't speak the language or it's not a native language, yeah. that also means that all your government paperwork is going to be in another language. Just things like that alone, like bureaucratic German, is not easy to read. I can tell you that. Right? No, no, not even as a German. <laughs> not even mm. as a German. So me coming in with my high school German, which I was very lucky to at least have, because in Denmark I didn't speak a word of Danish when I moved. That that alone is a lot of work and a lot of adjustments that you're making, culture-wise. I mean, simple things like when I moved to Denmark, you want to go buy, I don't know, bags for the vacuum cleaner. Mm. What what shop do you go to? Yeah. Like what type of store sells that? Is that an expensive store? Is that a discount store? Um, mm. Try to Google for it, but you don't know the word for a vacuum cleaner bag. So you have to translate it first. And hope <laughs> it's right. Like there's so many steps that you don't think about. Google lawnmower for apartment. <laughs> yeah, but mistakes are easily made when you think, I guess this is yes, the word and absolutely. it means something else. Absolutely. So I mean, even moving abroad was for a dream. I, I had my my job in Denmark and the adventure of it. But there's a lot of effort that it takes and a price that you pay in that sense. And even now moving back to the Netherlands where everything is familiar. So I sort of, it's it's not nearly as difficult. But just the work involved in moving, the disruption to your life, not having your familiar things. Everything is new. It's exhausting to just have to think yeah. about everything. So yeah, there's a price to pay, but then there's a reason that I moved, you know, so I'm I'm following a dream. I'm following an, a picture that I have of how I want my life to be. But it's definitely like an, an investment, let's put it that way, of, of time and effort and, mm. and stress and discomfort. Just on, on the whole, moving back to the Netherlands now, do you feel a change in the country? Not From yet. When... No, okay. okay. I'm, still, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for what they call reverse culture shock. Which is yeah, the thing. Yes. Yes. Oh, it, it is. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm still t mostly in my bubble of like unpacking boxes, so I haven't fully like confronted the outside world yet. Besides, like registering for the municipality and things. Yeah. I'm I'm getting a little bit acquainted with some neighbors, and it is a different mindset than people in Germany, especially from people in Denmark. So I, I am aware of it, but it hasn't fully settled yet. Mm. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Out of personal interest, like I've 
for me after moving back. So I know the reverse culture shock after moving back from the US. Mm -hmm. Like it, it takes a couple of months, but it definitely will come. <laughs> Do you have like a feeling that you're going back to something or that you're starting something new or is it just something in between? For me, it feels completely new. Okay. And I feel like I'm moving to a new country, but it's one where I know the system and speak the language mm. and like know what stores sell what. But it feels completely new, but that's mostly because I'm completely different than the last time that I yeah. lived here. I'm a very different person now. I went through a lot of stress, stress and struggles and, and life changes in, in the eight years that I've been away. And I am living in a city where I never lived as an adult. I lived there a few years when I was very young, but I don't really remember that time. Okay. So it is a new environment, a new city, a new place, but but with some benefits of, you know, I, I know some basics already. But yes, it feels like like it is new. Yeah. Nice. How is it for you? Because, of course, you, you had a similar thing. You've lived in the U.S. for how long? Close to five years. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent time. You're fully settled at five years. Yeah, and when when I when I got back, and also I didn't have like when I moved to the US, I wanted to stay in the US, so I didn't have any plans of like moving back. Mm. And when I finally moved back, I saw Germany just as basically a stepping stone, and then I wanted to move further, like Denmark, Sweden, Norway. Like I just wanted to go up north. We can also be very glad you didn't. <laughs> You're so nice yeah. to each other on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Really uh, not here. Someone need to take up the slack. <laughs> exactly. Plus, plus, it's fair after all the shit I gave him earlier. <laughs> yeah. The no, it was for for me. This was one of the reasons I didn't move back in the same town that I lived in because I didn't want to feel like I'm doing a step backward. Mm. So I moved in a town that's only like 20 kilometers away. But I just needed that little bit of separation by not like living in the town that I grew up 18 years yeah. like for 18 years or 19 years before I moved there. After coming back, I, I mean, I, I lived there for about a month and then I met Steph. So uh, that was that was it for yeah. moving away. <laughs> and But also my mindset changed from something where I thought I'm going back to something to where I said it's like later on the culture shock. It like took two or three months. It like hit me. Like I arrived in autumn or yeah, October. And then in, I think it was the beginning of the next year, January, February, where I started realizing like the, the full extent of moving back and mm -hmm. it came a little bit as a shock, but it wasn't really negative. It was just something to adjust to. And because I left Germany when I just finished my apprenticeship and I wasn't fully like in the working life, it was quite different mm. going back. So what I thought was just going back to something was actually something felt completely new after a year mm. and ever since then because i mean your your life is always evolving you're always doing new things and just because you've been somewhere doesn't mean that you're in the same point in your life so it, like you said yeah. alan you're like you're completely a different person after a while mm. but i have to say it was nice having my friends that i had back when i was living here in germany like 90 of them were still there and are still friends yeah. with me so mm. we're still meeting up Of course, some of them have family now, and some of them moved a little bit away, like a couple of towns, somebody, or some of them like across Germany, but they're still there. You're still in contact. And this is something nice. It's, it's kind of hard to do that when you're, I don't know, like 10, 12,000 miles away somewhere else. So that What? was for me. I mean, you always, Rasmus, you also moved. Yeah, I, I, I moved to Japan and then back again. And I, I weren't away long enough fully i think to have that culture shock mm -hmm. or that reverse culture shock but i definitely i don't know if it's is mostly 
me just growing because I was allowed to be away from my parents to figure out a bit more how I deal with the world alone. But also the fact of being over there just gave me more perspective on what Norway was. Yeah. Because if I'd gone to Denmark or Sweden, culturally, we are so similar. And linguistically, it's also so similar that I wouldn't have had the separation of what of Norway. Yeah. But going across the entire globe and being in a culture that is absolutely foreign. There is no correlation in the basis of the Japanese society nah, in what you see in Norway exactly today. exactly the same as we are. I mean, now with capitalism, maybe it's not too far no, off. No, but I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know, Japanese I know, but like that's, that was the only thing that was kind of uh, the only correlation between what I saw in Norway and what I saw in Japan was capitalism. That thing exists, and it was more of it in Japan than it was in Norway, I felt like. Mm. But then again, you have also parts of Japanese society that was so removed from the modern Japan, where everything was super traditional and like the same it has been for the last 400 years. Mm -hmm. Now we trick ourselves with globalization to think that we're all the same and what we see and because some of this like pop culture like comes over, mm. but Japan for me, it is so alien, like every single day, because I get it on a business level where I talk to the people, just the way they are think like it's, yeah. it's always told, but you, you have to really realize it for yourself. If it talks to something that they think in completely different patterns. Yeah, and it's and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's completely amazing. Like if you look at it, like they're having a complete different worldview, not just because of how they're raised, but just how just the whole system works with them. It's and it's easy for us to forget that there's, especially in Europe, where we have different languages but a really similar way of thinking, to have something that is that alien. To one. Yeah, and also like at least Europe in general now is very much based upon old Christian values. There is none of that over there. I mean, quote unquote, 2000, 1000 years of Christian values underneath everything that makes up the modern society in Europe. And in Japan, they don't, they, they have their own religions that have given basis for their entire value system and honor system and how they deal and treat other people. Mm -hmm. And then you have the whole mix of Japan being Oh, Red will hate the fact that we are talking about Japan this much. I really like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, exactly. But like, and when Japan especially had 400 years of being locked up, mm -hmm. where they were only talking amongst themselves about things, and how that changed the culture as well. But it's... isn't that great? Because like before, people were able to travel as easily as we do now. They mm -hmm. would never even know. They would never even question their own way of life or how it came to be. And for I, me. I... I think that's a slightly wrong way of thinking about it. Okay. Yes, it is a whole lot easier for people to travel now, but people traveled so much more slowly back in the day that they were immersed into culture for longer. If they went. Yeah, if they went. So, yeah, by all means, by all means. So, compared to how many people do you know who travel and stay months in a different country? Yeah, not that many. I, and I think that's, quote unquote, the same number back in the day, relative population or whatever you want to call it. I think the same amount of people travel slowly back then as travel slowly today. I think yes. it's the same people who would have the tendency of becoming merchants because they want to see the world or they wanted to meet you know, other people in cultures. And because they traveled so much more slowly, they got the cultural immersion 
that we would need to live in the country to get. Yes, but slightly different point of view on that. Like okay. when I was 16, I was lucky enough to take a trip to South Africa mm. for two weeks. So it wasn't long at all. And I wasn't immersed in the culture at all. Mm -hmm. But for me, that was such an eye opener because I basically never been more than 100 kilometers from my house up until then, because we never went abroad for vacation either. Yeah. And it's like suddenly you see how people can live in slums and can be mm -hmm. in a completely different culture, completely different way of living. And just seeing that for two weeks completely mm -hmm. made me look at the Netherlands of like, oh, but this isn't the only way. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Other ways yeah. of life. Yeah. And this is actually what's happening a lot more. And then, and that, especially bef like before COVID, like when they, they, there was those cheap flights years ago, like people actually started traveling. And as much as it is discussable and like how the discounted flights now are bad for like the environment, it gave people the chance to travel to other countries that they would have not traveled to otherwise. And of course, if you go and sit in a resort and never leave the property for two weeks, then that doesn't have that effect because you might yeah. as well be anywhere. Exactly. Um, but if you truly travel and, and experience a different way of life, then it does at least give you some perspective, hopefully. But then you need to travel purposefully and you need to yeah. go out there and expose yourself to the other cultures and not only like the, the cush little life you can have at a hotel. Yeah, the tourist high street and uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm also like generalizing from how I travel. Like not everyone that, that experiences abroad does it the same way I do, of course. But, yeah, yeah, and that, that, yeah. That, I guess that was kind of also my comparison was there's so many people who go on vacation to get away from their normal life and not to get perspective and experience something new. It's mm. just like, no, I want a break from this. It doesn't actually matter where. I just want away. And yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no, it, it it is, it isn't. But you don't get the cultural thing that we were talking about. You don't mm -hmm. get the cultural oh. exposure. I would. Uh, it, oh yeah, if it's just getting away, it's like doesn't mean you have to go into a resort. It means you can do a city trip and just discover everything by foot. That this yeah. is basically what we do. When Steph yeah. and I want to get away, like we like usually driving distance or with the train, we try to see like where we haven't been. For example, Braha, Brak. I've never mm. been there. So we look for a like nice little hotel that's somewhere in the town center, or I think in that case it was an Airbnb. And we got the Airbnb and just discovered Brak by foot. Just started yeah, yeah. walking. Mm. So I wouldn't go to like, oh, we've been to Prague, like right next to it in like a wellness resort and stayed there for two days yeah. and not going yeah, yeah. out. Like that's nah. Then then I can stay at home. Then you wouldn't get stress fractures in your foot. Exactly. Yeah. Where's the fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think we generally speaking agree, though, that there's yeah. a big difference between how you travel and what it's, you it's a yeah. mindset. and what you do. Yeah. If you're open to it, you can discover new things around every corner. You don't even have to travel that far. Yeah. yeah. But this, is the, is, this isn't the topic I started on. What's, what's going on? Us. Us happened. Oh, yeah. We, okay. we, we happened. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, if I may ask, though, uh, Jan, do you have something mm -hmm. that you feel you have purposefully given up to live the life you have or want to have i am giving things up to be able to live the life i want to live okay and let me explain so for me i'm i'm employed it was always in the back of my head and i would have loved to be self-employed but this is something i gave up on in case for security 
mm. reasons. Like because mm. I was taught was I wasn't really I was always supported by everything I did by my parents, but mm. I was never encouraged to do that step to go into like completely by myself. It just never happened. So what happening right now is that I mean Steph and I we bought a house and we are doing the down payment. So the goal is to be debt free in the sense of having the house paid off to reach the freedom that I can still say I want to try something new and mm -hmm. I'm not forced like the, just to have the possibility to say okay now that the house is paid off and there's no more bills except the, like the normal living costs to pay if I want to take the chance and I want to try something new and if it's just a job that doesn't pay as well as the job I'm doing now that might mm -hmm. but maybe fulfills me a little bit more that gives me the chance to do that. And this is so I'm fully aware of it. I'm still I'm, I love my job that I'm doing. Like there's there's ups and downs when it comes with the company, like in every other job, like uh, the problems I have now, I probably would have also at another job, hmm. maybe a little bit different, but they're here. That's that's the fun if of being employed. I mean, if it's people problems, then yeah, you you probably most guaranteed or, or have people or problems. problems. Like if you yeah. don't have the, the the freedom of choice by everything you do. So it's yeah. just, I know the benefits and the negative parts of my job mm. and I balance them, I think pretty well. So I'm mm. not unhappy in my job, but there's also that little nagging feeling in the back of wanting to do something new, want, want to do yeah. something by myself and just having the freedom I can... Mm. I will have the freedom to discover that if I want to. So you're choosing to have the security of a job, make a good amount of money so you can pay off the house and then have the freedom, the, the dream of that more freedom. Exactly. And maybe travel. not travel as much as I would like or go on vacation as many times as I would like, which is also not a given if I'm self-employed, but it's kind of like cutting back a little bit on expenses to be to reach that goal faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Steph and I both do. So mm. we're really a good team in that. Like we both see eye to eye when it comes to that. And now it's actually like the the end is in sight. So this is already <laughs> something we're really happy about. Yeah. And I guess that's something that purposefully or not, I ended up doing the complete opposite. I chose the freedom and flexibility now mm -hmm. so that I potentially can have stability later. But that also with the trade-off of, well, I have to work a shit ton. Yeah. And there is not much security right now because, well, if I get injured, then what the fuck am I going to do to earn money? I mean, I, I, Norway has a good welfare system, but being self-employed doesn't really give you the same benefits as being employed for someone else. Mm -hmm. Still good, still better than America, but I mean, that doesn't take much, I guess. <laughs> That's a low bar. <laughs> Anyway, easy way out. <laughs> I think I'm sort of in the middle of you two because mm -hmm. I do have uh, a day job, yeah. but I work part time. Mm -hmm. I work 28 hours a week, so three and a half days. And I, I did choose that very purposefully because I could make a lot more money if yeah. I worked five days a week. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, that extra money of the last one and a half day makes a lot more impact than the first because your cost of living stays the same. So yeah. that extra day and a half would all be fun money. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. in a way but i'm choosing very deliberately not to do that and to be to have less money than i could have because i want the time mm -hmm. i want that day and a half extra for myself a week hopefully one day that will be time i spend crafting and making things right now i need it more for my mental health point of view so that i have 
space in my head to be able to deal with yeah. a lot of that stuff. But that's definitely, I'm, I'm paying a literal price for my dream of, of having the life I want. And that's not like most people that, that go the corporate route that have a day job, they will do the 40 hours a week. And I, and I do have to explain every time, like, why do you, why do you, you're not married. You don't have kids. Why do you not work full time? It's like, because I don't want to, yeah. <laughs> but you can make so much more money. Yes, I could. But then I would hate myself and everything else. So, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a good trade-off and it is or a trade-off you know why you're making i think is a good one that is true also i really like what you're saying that you're doing it purposely working the part-time because this is also one of the that could be one of the goals and this is something that thankfully is changing now a lot more companies are accepting part-time jobs i know at the job yeah. my wife works in insurance she's like the only one or like one or two more in her department that is working full-time. Hmm. So they like about 60 or 70% of the people working in that department are working on reduced hours. And the job gets done. Like it works beautifully. It's just split belong them. Like if that works at a company, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Is to, if you have the possibility, especially mm -hmm. if you want to decide you want to work more and have the possibility of upping their hours. Yeah. It's in my company, it would be difficult because of the job that I'm doing. I could reduce to like 80%. I would still have the same amount of work to do. <laughs> I would just get paid less. Yeah. This is like, this is one of the downsides yeah. of it. Also like less yeah. vacation and everything when it comes to that, because of course that also gets down. So yeah, uh, that's just one of, and, one of mean, the things. To be clear, like it is an absolute privilege that I'm able to do that, that I can pay the bills. Mm -hmm. working three and a half days a week like i also fully realize that not everybody's able to do that some people just have to work the 40 hours to be able to cover everything that is correct i am lucky enough that i had a university degree and things like that i'm in a, in a field where i can do that and i do feel very lucky for being able to make that choice but but that is i would say luck coming from preparation and hard work done earlier yeah yeah not, I mean, not, it, it, it's not pure luck just by the toss of a die without any No, context. no, I, I, I made a lot of things happen to make this possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, privileged is maybe a better word. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah, something true. to focus on? Sounds like it. Ooh, ooh, I want to start because I actually have something good. Ooh, okay, go on. Go for it. Now I have to search for it. <laughs> no, I, I, we, we, we talked about him before, and I think we had a focus on him before. You guys know Veritasium? Yes, yes. And he just came out with a video about the measurement of happiness. I saw that Ooh. one this morning for breakfast. I yep. And I think I watched it yesterday evening or either this morning when I fell out of bed at like five o'clock. I'm not, not sure. <laughs> but I thought it was phenomenal because he's looking also from a scientific part. And there's some really interesting parallels about like physical and mental health according your well-being and age and everything and it was just it was really enjoyable to watch and it was a little bit of an eye-opener and i loved how like he plays a little bit in the beginning i'm not going to spoil too much mm. but with the interviews with like he interviews people at the beginning yeah and let's just say there's a second part to the interviews at the end of the video so it really i recommend watching the whole video through and it's an easy watch because it's really enjoyable and really interesting. And he's really good at storytelling. Oh, yes. yes, he is. But yeah, I second that one. It's, I mean, it 
to me, it wasn't anything that was truly surprising, but it was a lot more of the why it is true. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's not that, like I'm surprised that those things they said, but it's nice to see the scientific facts or the, how do you call it? Like where he's got that from, where, where the information is from, mm. that it's actually being researched and he's talking to the guy researching it. Nice. I will definitely watch it. You should. You should. I will. You want to go next? Sure. So mine is someone that I found on Instagram, but I think she's originally became famous through TikTok. Her name is Whitney Hansen. That's also her Instagram account. And she writes poetry. And she posts herself reading the poetry to the camera. And it is just incredibly good. It just, it's about a lot of things she's been through personally. So it's also from a mental health point of view, her experiences, her reflections. She published a book of it, which I recently bought. Ooh. So I can read it through myself. So she started just with poetry on TikTok. And then she, now she's, I think, publishing her third book of poetry. But really amazing stuff. They're not long, but she, hearing her express herself like that in these beautiful words, it's, it's very good. I will check that out because I have a very big, big spot for some good poetry stuff. Yeah. Especially when it's personal things. That's always fascinating. Yeah, no, definitely uh, highly recommend it. But you, you bought just her third book. You bought this one. This is of her them? first book. Ah. I think she just published her third or even fourth one recently. But okay, okay. this particular one I, from the videos, like the, the theme of this one mm. is something that speaks, speaks to me particularly. So. That's why I bought this one, but maybe at some point I'll go for the other ones as well. I've got to, I've got to read this one first. I've never once dove into poetry, and I don't. I can't even tell you why. It's like that's not that I'm not interested in. I have to. Well, I have to check it out. It's got this this image of like complicated Shakespeare prosa, whatever. But yeah. Th- this is more of a spoken word type thing where she just tells a story through poetry. That's mm-hmm. not complicated. Yeah. It's not difficult. It's just beautiful. I- I th- okay. I think poetry has gotten a really bad rap for how it is talked about in school mm-hmm. because poetry in school is always like the really old classical quote unquote stuff and like complicated just... like what does it mean what are they trying yeah. to say yeah but I don't really I don't really dislike it I mean no, this no. is like I went to the theater like mm-hmm. watching one of the well reimagined Shakespeare stuff but they were actually using the old texts in some of that and yeah. I still th- found it entertaining. It's just I never in my life picked up a book of poetry, and I can't tell you why. Like it's not that I have negative, like a negative thought about it. It's just never crossed my mind to pick up poetry. I, I think, uh, at least the way I think about poetry now, is that it is a tool to convey something more than just words, and you use specifically rhyme and rhythm, and contrast in the words you choose to do that. So to me, poetry has turned into something much more similar to photography than writing a novel. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so for me, just once I did, there were some limericks coming in my mind, and that's not the best way of poetry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the one thing of poetry I'm familiar with, but <laughs> not the best one. There once was a man from Nantucket. Or something, yes, exactly. Something, something. Yeah, let's not get into that category. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to give it a try. Yeah, and I, I mean, I could try to read some of it, but she just said, does such a good job reading it because it's her words and her her expression. So yeah. go check no, it out. I, I, I yeah. found her Instagram. 
do, do you recall one of the recent ones that maybe people should look for? Like, does he have a pinned something or something? No, I think all of, them, all of her posts are just a mix of poet, poet, poems he reads from all the various books. Okay, okay. And, and different topics will speak to different people. So I just just watch a couple and, and see what speaks to you. But the style will be clear as soon as you, mm. you pick a random one. Nice. Okay. Then my focus is Loki season two. And what the fuck just happened in all of that? Uh, either of you seen it? Nope. No. <laughs> You're missing so, red right now. So you yeah, can play yeah. out together. Season two of Loki is fucking amazing. To the extent that I forgot it is a TV series about Loki and not just, just Tom Hiddleston doing Hiddleston things. Because it is so amazingly weird and convoluted and the story they tell is so raw and complex that every single episode I'm sitting here going like, and, and what now? What's going on next? Where that, will this end up? That doesn't sound like Marvel at all. No, no but it, I, I mean it is in a good way. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean it in a good way because I forgot it was about Loki, the, the Loki character from the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot that was the TV series I was watching. And in this case, I think that's a really good thing. If you wanted like the trickster god Loki and all of those shenanigans, this is not it. But it is a really, really human story about people. Then I might actually give it a go because I'm not a fan of the whole superhero. Yeah, um, but you, genre, you've seen but... you've seen the first Avengers movie. No. Okay, but you know the rough outline of the Loki character in that. No. no. Okay. And yeah, that this will be. Then honestly, <laughs> I would love for you to start season one of Loki and just mm-hmm. watch it through, because they do set up enough in the first episode of season one. I think that you will just understand where it comes from. And then you will get this full character journey of Loki on the way. And without any of the Marvel baggage, so to speak, yeah, this could be a really, really interesting experience for you. And a really good one. I, I, I might give it a try because I'm, I don't like the, the classic superhero, but like Jessica Jones, I really love the TV show. Yes, yes that was good. That's sort of, that's the corner I like. But then the yeah. big fights that go on forever, it's not really like... This is thing. a lot weirder than Jessica Jones. Okay, I'm I'm down for weird. That that. Yeah, it it's it 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 goes places and then it does it again and again and again and you don't understand why or how, but it is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Loki season two. Uh, I'll try it. If I don't like it, I'm blaming you. I'll 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 take that bet or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. No, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, we did an episode. So. Yes. Thank you, Alan. Where can people do some friendly stalking? You can stalk me on Instagram and YouTube under Crafts with Ellen. Wonderful. Yes. I mean, at, at this point, you have been there a few times, so I guess most people already have been doing the friendly stalking already. But if they wanted to, they had a chance. But you know, yeah. if you if you if you've been meaning to catch up on your stalking, hmm. there's a reminder. And now there's a whole new country of friend. No, wait, that doesn't work. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not giving anyone my address. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fine. That's fine. Sorry. But if you want our address, you can find it on patreon.com slash two thirds focus. I think maybe possibly depending on what we did there. I don't know. It's a thing. Patreon is a thing. If you like us, maybe Patreon. And you can find me at Rasmus Lewin and LewinSmear.no. And you can find me at Jan Maxwell or Northern Inventor on the socials. And hopefully you'll find Red back again next week. Yes. Thank you, Alan. Yes. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.